Today we're going to talk about walking into maturity. I believe that's what we're going to talk about. Walking and stepping into Christian maturity, which is the true lordship of Jesus in your life and a willing heart to follow him. Um, we're going we're to examine some of the themes that we've come out of these past couple of weeks. Passover um, into you know, the resurrection, Easter is what we call it here in the United States and the, around the world. Uh, um, but this mentality of going from, from a slave to a son. A slave to the things and the mindsets of this world even. Uh, to the mindset of a liberated son who's empowered to walk in and manifest the inheritance and, and take, take part in the father's family business for us all, you know. And so uh, Passover itself, Resurrection Sunday, uh, Easter, is about power, redemption, but power that set us free, but also not only set us free, but then us becoming empowered to be agents of that freedom and set other people free, right? And so, you know, today we're going to go and watch uh, Luke 2 like a movie because I really want to examine some of the words of Jesus. But uh, because of his physical appearance in Luke 2, I want to actually start off in, in John just as a reminder so we don't get lost by his appearance, okay? John 1, review, but the utmost important thing we could understand about who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness had no idea that Yahweh, the light, the word who was with God, but also was God, was manifested in the world because his costume was so humble, he was not recognized. It is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. But also, how many have heard a, a message about Jesus being the creator of all things? Not the little G, son of God, but Jesus being big G, God, creator, by whom all things were created that were made. It's incredible. He was the true light, John 1, 9, that gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. This is, this is, this is nuts. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world didn't know him. The creator, Yahweh, walked around planet Earth and, and was not recognized as the creator. He came to his own, and his own didn't receive him, but... Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. That's interesting. We're talking about sonship, Passover being this, this covering and this redemption and this empowerment of the sons of God, the sons and daughters, the sonship. Everyone who believed, who actually chooses and turned and was able to see and recognize who he truly is, to those who receive him, it says, he gave the right to become the sons, the, the daughters, the children of God and to step into the family business. This, this connotation, the way this is written, it's an inheritance of power to step into the family business. And it's so important that we see and accept, just like Passover, consume the entire lamb, every bit of who Jesus is, everything that he did and everything that he said, 
no matter how he appeared, and recognize Yahweh speaking to us. That's the intro. Those are the previews to the movie, right? <laughs> or like when you watch a show and you, they show the previews, if you haven't seen the season for a while, and they, you know, that's what that was. Now you know. Luke chapter 2. How about this, man? Coming into this understanding that the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, you know. And His light shined in the darkness, but they didn't comprehend it. They didn't recognize Him. And understanding, oh my gosh, see, now we've, we've come to believe, or we've seen the end from the beginning, at least of this book, and we realize that was actually Yahweh walking around. And if the rulers of this world would have known, 1 Corinthians 2 says, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't recognize Him. And he paid and he redeemed every single one of us. It's the most brilliant thing. It's called a mystery several times in the Bible. That's what they're talking about, the mystery of who he is. But there's something about this mystery. There's something about this person looking back, re-watching the movie. You ever watch one of those movies that has a big twister at the end? But then you go rewatch it a second time. You're like, so that's why he was, you know, you know what's, what's the guy? What's that movie, that M. Night Shyamalan movie with Bruce Willis? And he was dead the whole time. You don't realize it until the end. Then you watch it. That's why he was dead the whole time. He was sitting at his wife and not talking because he was dead, man. You know what I mean? Just bang, your mind's blown. I mean, we can do that with the Bible, yeah. This is Yahweh. And imagine going back and reading through this and the very first thing that Yahweh's mouth ever speaks physically in our Bible. Aside from being the angel of the Lord. Like, on the, in the New Covenant, the first thing he ever speaks, it's a question to his parents who were stressed out, searching, trying to find him. And it's just like, hey, why did you have to seek me? The disconnect wasn't on my end, it was on yours. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I must be at my father's house. It's like, whoosh. That's the first letters in red, and that's a 12-year-old Jewish kid who's Yahweh, according to John 1 and the rest of the Bible. And I would imagine, what do you think? Do you think that's, that's an accident, that that's the very first thing that we know that Jesus ever spoke that's ever been written? No, sir, ma'am. No way. You know? It was, you know, they call it the, they call it the period of silence. Some, some, some call it the 400 years of silence. You know, when you go to the Old Testament, um, between that very last book, Malachi or Malachi, and then into, into the New Covenant, there was, there was no prophet, there was no word of the Lord in those, what they call, what, about this 400-year period and the 400 years of silence. And everyone says, you know, the, the first prophet to step in after Malachi was actually John. But I would actually argue that about, you know, 16, 18 years before John, you had 12-year-old Yahweh breaking the silence. And 12-year-old Yahweh, that's a funny title, right? Is that a message title? 12-year-old Yahweh's first words are like, hey, why'd you, why were you looking for me? Like, hey, you're the ones that were lost. Do you don't know? And it just depends on your translation that I must be at my father's house, that I'm within my father's household. My, my lineage, my, my genealogy, the inheritance is, is here. And he's talking about lineage. And it's this brilliant thing, but... He's also talking about his career path. I, I meet people all the time that I'm trying to decide what to do with my future. I'm, trying to, I'm praying about what my next step is and all these things. It's like, you know, well, often it's far simpler, you know, 
than we've made it to be. But the backstory of Luke 2, we, we, you, you, some of you maybe have never heard this, so maybe I should, I should just we'll watch this like a movie as I was saying, is it's, it's this time of year, guys. The festival of the Passover had just happened for us. The resurrection had happened a couple days, a few days afterwards, the resurrection Sunday. But everybody had, had traveled and went into Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. And Jesus and his whole family, all his little brothers, his little brother Jude and James and, you know, you know, his, his, you know Mary and Joseph, they're, they're all they're celebrating in town. They've, they've come from where they were living into Jerusalem. They're all celebrating this big festival. And it's, it's this beautiful and this cool thing. But can you, can you even think of that the first time we ever hear him talking? is the Lamb of God, the Passover himself, celebrating a feast that was just a type of actually what he was going to fulfill. So brilliant. And he's a lot smarter than people uh, supposed him to be. But they went to Jerusalem every year for the Passover, it says. It was their tradition, right? Luke 2.41. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, they returned, and the boy Jesus... You know, what did we call him? 12-year-old Yahweh. Uh, lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother didn't know it. Verse 44. I have this in parentheses. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him amongst their relatives and their acquaintances. Remember when we watch these things, we're watching it like a movie and a story, but every single thing that's written, every sentence, every, the way that it was written is always a message, right? Supposing, assuming that he was with them, after a day, they were actually looking for him amongst their relatives and their acquaintances. So they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem. So they were actually a day out before they lost the Messiah that they had been protecting and you have to think about these people this wasn't just like flippant he was probably pretty well behaved so they didn't have to worry about him much he was the oldest of the kids but you think about joseph his dad as, as it was supposed his father um you know how many times if you read through matthew and uh, you look at the times that angels would actually come to joseph and tell him to move it's kind of interesting joseph had like supernatural email like dreams that angels messengers would actually come to him and say hey it's time to move you guys need to go down to egypt you guys need to go okay here's that you need to come back here you know it was just interesting the connection and the covering that they had of god to actually protect this this messiah that they were they were raising up and kind of shielding you know you know let's talk about a, a frat you know a package that was very important you know so now it's like oh my gosh we lost our kid and he's pretty important so they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem. So it was that after three days, that's verse 46 of, of Luke 2, I love that. After three days, they found him. Think about this. They lost the Passover lamb at Passover and then found him after three days. Think about our story. Think about just our life, the reality, and what this is actually saying. This isn't an Easter message. But it's like everybody, especially in our country, it's like, we get geared up this time of year and this part of our life is important. You know, oh, Easter, it's the biggest, it's the Super Bowl Sunday of Sundays, they say, all this kind of weird things. And it's like we get super focused and we're super thankful. And then we go back to our own towns and it's like we forget, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, they started just rolling out and all right, back to life as normal. And this right here is a message of like after Easter, after Passover for true Christianity, like there's no more life as normal. This thing is different. This thing isn't a festival, you know. 
It's not our religion and it's not our uh, tradition, you know. And just supposing they were with him because, like, well, this is what we do. Jesus, don't you know this is what we do? We come and then we leave. We've done this for 12 years. You know, we've done this since you were little. Then they sought him amongst their relatives and their acquaintances. Well, these are all people that think just like us. So we're surely you're going to line up with them just thinking just like us. Anyways, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple. Look at him. He was sitting there in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And that's how teachers taught. taught. Rabbis taught by questions because it pulls, it pulls the answers out, you know. And so anyway, so he's sitting there having instruction time as a, as, a, as a 12-year-old with people who had the Torah memorized word for word. And it says, all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mom said, son, why have you, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Like, dude, you've stressed us out. To which his answer was, well, why were you stressed? Like, why were you seeking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's house? You know? And so you have, this isn't disrespectful. This is a tale of two lineages. The lineage of Adam, which he was not a part of with Joseph. Your father and I have sought you. And his answer to which, like, he's like, no, like, things change. Now, you know, there's stuff with a 12-year-old, the bar mitzvah. Like, this is the time when they would take on the trade of their dad. So Jesus was, you know, he was 12, so he was, he was actually taking on whatever your dad's trade was or whatever. He was starting to work carpentry with Joseph in these times. But he was actually speaking a message, or Yahweh, that was, that was completely covered and hidden from the rest of the world, was speaking something for all of us to see and to his mom that was pronouncing something like, I'm hip to why I'm here, and you need to be as well. I must be about my father's business. Like, I'm here for a higher agenda. Hmm. It's the first thing he ever spoke. But they didn't understand the statement. <laughs> so they're just like, huh? Which, to me, a 12-year-old says that to me. Like, what'd you just say? Snatch you up. Are you kidding me? I've been stressed. We've been worried. There's traffickers out here. You know, we could, you could have been dead for all we knew. You realize what we've had to go through? He went down with them to Nazareth where they were living and was subject, subject to him, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And so here's our, here's our post-Easter Passover message. After Easter, after, after Passover, is you just have Jesus actually speaking about a career path. He, he, he's speaking about something that's like, hey, like, I've come into my own, and there's something different for me to move into. You know? And so it is the same with all of us when we, when we step into this, into this life. You see Yahweh, if I'm, if I'm directing that movie, right, and Yahweh says, do you not know that I must be at my, at my father's house and about my father's business? He looks off, he kind of pans away to the camera and those blue flamed eyes that John saw in Revelation, boom, they just flicker for a second, you know what I mean? And it's like, whoa, like, he's, he's not who we thought. He's somebody else. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness couldn't comprehend it. But everybody who could accept him and, 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 and recognize and accept who he was to them he gave the right to become the children of God. 
Not those who are born of the flesh, it says, right? But that of, which is of the spirit. We're talking about spiritual inheritance and lineage and Passover not being a time of like, all right, the celebration's over. It's like, it's back to the real world. It's just like, hey, Passover, resurrection, the empowerment, the lordship of Jesus. It's like, hey, he went back and he was subject to them for some, some more time. What, 18 more years? Well, probably less than that because he was an adult before that. But you know what I'm saying? It, we didn't actually hear him for 18 years. We never saw him in this movie, in this story. We thought the silence was probably back if, 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 they were, if we were watching it in real time. But there was a message of like, hey, like, I'm here for an agenda and it's not a natural worldly five-year plan. There's something different. And there's this, this message of the 12-year-old Yahweh of, of, golly, imagine, see, like, we're singing cloud by day and fire in the night and it's, and it's the message of the Passover and and the plagues and, and then Israel being broken out of Egypt and the power coming and striking and people being free from the bondage of sin, you know what I'm saying, and covered by the cloud by day and the fire in the night. But Jesus' little brother, who was there, we can call him baby Jude if you want. Young Jude was there during this, during these things. And Jude writes the last book of the Bible before Revelation. And in the original translation, he's like, he's like not to be ignorant, but like, the Lord Jesus broke everybody out of Egypt. You know, his physical brother ended up recognizing who he truly was. And it's like, hey, it's the Lord Jesus. And you can look at that in your Bibles. Uh, but the Lord Jesus broke Israel out of Egypt. Just so, like, don't forget this thing. We're talking about, my, yeah, we're talking about my brother. He doesn't even, he doesn't even reference his, his allegiance to him as a brother, but as a servant and as a follower of God. And he's like, yo, this, this guy... He was something else. And when you can see that and you can see the humility of God, it's so much easier to submit to his lordship. And I think a lot of people come to this position, looking, you know, whether it's relatives, acquaintances, they, they deal with the pressures of this life of what they're supposed to be doing and living rather than submitting to the lordship of, of, of the one with the fire in his eyes because they're afraid of him. But he's actually the gentle and humble one who has all of your life and the keys to the kingdom that are actually released to you to step into the things which are the most fulfilling of your heart's desires, man. And the Passover, all this stuff was about lordship and it was about submitting to him. But we, we hear, especially in the church world today, we hear the word submitting and it's just like, oh, that's like somebody that's going to control me. If I submit, like, well, now I've got to give you money. You've got to control me. You got you know, that's all of our history. That's my, you know, that's why I think, oh, I'm going to submit. Like, don't, don't, don't say that. And women hate it too. It's like, oh, you got to submit to your husband. He's got to be this way. And, you know, we have these connotations of some of these words, but the submitting of the Lord is, is actually Jesus laying his entire life to release the kingdom into our life because he's good. Yeah, man. And everything that happened after, after the Passover wasn't wasn't a submitting in order to just be subservient and, and, and be slaves. It was actually freedom from the, from the identity of slavery and actually stepping into those who were empowered, who are in that same mindset of the son, like connected into their father's house and about their father's business in this world, which is let there be light. The gates of hell will not be able to actually stand against the power of those who step into his lordship. And so you, you see after Passism, after, sorry, Passover, you see this post-Passover with 12-year-old Yahweh, but even with the Passover 
um, Israelis being broken out of Egypt, lordship was the reality that they stepped into, and that was the baptisms. The baptisms, and see, we look at the baptisms of the Old Testament, and of the water, and of the Spirit, and all these things, but it's like first, the first baptism was the Red Sea, which swallowed all of Egypt that was trying to chase them, you know? They went through the water and came out from being slaves to being sons, under the cloud by day and the fire in the night, you know. But the second baptism was the Jordan River, which backed all the way up to Adam, a city called Adam in the book of Joshua. And they walked through another river, and that was the baptism of power. And this is Christianity. It's a double baptism that happens at the exact same time. It's, it's all together. It's not like, well, first you got to do this, then you got to do this, then you got to do this. There's people, look at Acts 10, there's people baptized in the Holy Spirit and in power before they ever got any water or even... Paul, I'm sorry, Peter barely got to speak the gospel to these guys and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's like, this is actually just Christianity and it's not spirit-filled Christianity or charismatic Christianity. This is actually just the basic reality of Christianity. And certainly there's people even in the New Testament, there's the book of Acts, like, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul's like, for real? Oh man, let us, let us pray for you guys because this is, this is your miss, this is great, you know. But the baptisms were the lordship of God, actually people losing their identity. And we think we're going to lose identity and, and, and have no personality and then, you know, dress like all the, you know, the Hillsong videos or whatever these kids are doing these days. But in reality, and that's not a slap against Hillsong, I'm sure it's fine. I don't wa watch that stuff. I'm just saying, what I'm saying is like, we think we got to conform to something. You know what I mean? And when reality, God's called us to be the imagers of God who are creative and empowered and successful in this life in order to let there be light and be beacons of light in the community and the places that he's called us to live. Amen. To make decisions too. Wow, imagine that. You know what I mean? It's just, just it's, there's so much freedom to this reality. But we don't walk out of Passover the same way we came. And Omer and Joseph, they were finding that reality like, hey, like things are, things are going to be different. Jesus said this, and this is written for us to see a prophetic picture of something that he was forecasting that was going to happen. But that religious system and just like clocking in and clocking out with God, that whole thing was being done. And Jesus' cousin, old, uh, you know, old Dreadlock John, you know, the Baptist they called him, that's Luke 3. He shows up going at the religious system and its leaders, the brood of vipers. It's like, easy, buddy. Preparing a way for the Lord, fulfilling the prophecies of, of Isaiah, like saying he was actually baptized in that river at the Jordan. It's, it's no secret. The Jordan wasn't magical in and of itself. I mean, it is in our, in our lineage, but it's just like it was the, the supernatural power of the Spirit coming to mankind again. The inheritance of the sons to those who believed and actually received him, they had the right to receive this inheritance of the empowered ones who are about their father's business. And this is the inheritance of every one of us. You know, it's like, well, I guess I'm called to preach or be a minister. It's like, no, not. I mean, if, if you are, that's that's fine. You know, but there's 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 millions of positions of authority and light to which you can function in that power. in that success, in that light, you know. And John shows up in Luke 3, the voice crying in the wilderness, preaching this repentance of this water baptism, which was a type, but he understood, hey, there's somebody that's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He had this, 
he had this understanding of what Christianity, what this new covenant was gonna look like to some level. And he was saying, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. That's John's words. In other words, the religious system, it's already being destroyed. It's like, whoa. It's like, how can you say this? Because he had heard it from God. That was before he even saw Jesus. Before he even saw the Messiah, he knew it was there. So when he did see him, he's like, I knew it. I knew him. Because the one who sent me to baptize, that same spirit, told me the one whom I see the spirit remain on. You see this. Maybe this is a baptism message. Let you on a little bit of secret. I planned on doing this today post-Passover because I thought it was good, but I didn't really have a close-up for it. You know, so we're kind of just kind of flying by the gauges a little bit right now. But, 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 there's something about that Jordan. There's something about that post-Passover. There's something about the, re the reality for us in the New Testament Christianity. It's like after Passover, after Jesus, it's like everything changes. You go back a different way. And the way is actually empowered. And the way of empowerment is actually in full submission to who Jesus really is. You know, it's, so, it's, it's such a brilliant life. It's such a brilliant reality. And it's actually our inheritance. And we've had this mentality that God wasn't good, you know, and he's going to bring us into a direction that we would be miserable of. And we're going to have to be in church for the rest of our life. That's what I actually thought. And I, I guess it kind of did happen. But at the same time, <laughs> it, it's not miserable like I was thinking it would be. You know, golly, amen, brother, the young prophet has spoken, yes, I, <laughs> good for you, buddy, yeah, but you know, it's, it's, it, it's this, it's just coming to Jesus, it's like, who is following who, it's like, hey, Mary, who's following who, why'd you, why'd you seek me, and it was just a glimpse of who he was for all of us to see. You know, there's 12 years old, you know, 18 years later that Passover himself was going to be on the scene, you know, that's pretty wild. What, 20, 21 years later, he was going to be the Passover lamb at that ceremony and reverse every bit of the effects of the fall. And it wasn't to a select few and to some elite people that had the best behavior, you know. Mm -mm, no, it was not. It was, it was, it was to all whom would accept all who would actually recognize him as who he truly was. All would actually come to this understanding. He would give the right. All who would receive him, you know. Mm-hmm. The point of Passover, post-Passover, post-Easter, all these things, is actually moving from a slave mentality to the mentality of a son who's empowered to do the Father's business in whichever creative aspect of life the Lord allows you to actually be in. Amen. And can you imagine that God's plans for your life could actually be what are in the deepest parts of the desires of your heart because He knit them there, but knit those things there before time and space. You know? And He had so much intention and purpose for you in love that he knew there would be a path for you if you would receive him, to walk with him, to be so empowered, to have such success in this life. And I don't, I'm not talking about money, which that's good too, because nobody needs to be broke, but just to be success in, in a way that their, their health and their life and their, the, the inheritance of the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, these things were their, their essence without taking chemicals upon themselves to get these things. Like, the peace and joy of God was theirs in such a way, whatever situation they were in, they were manifesting that light and that truth. Yeah. 
And he had designed them to have those things, those needs met in through him so they would never be needy in the world, but always able to freely release and give. And Jesus called out of the innermost parts of your being, which is the place where he knit us in the very womb, you know what I'm saying, would flow rivers of living water. John 4. And he's saying these things and he's still saying these things to us. Hey, hey, there's, there's this baptism that's this submission to God, which is really receiving him and accepting what he's done that will empower you to shine like the brightness of the stars forever. And be a light into this world and actually point people to me and say, hey, I'm an example that he's not who he thought he was. You know what I mean? It's not a religious club. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not this you know, it's not who he thought he was. He's actually good, and he has the desires of your heart within him. He is those desires. And the fellowship and the communion of him, it's no longer going to be just reading or just, you know what I'm saying, doing religious duties. Like, he's going to be on the inside of you and empower you to come alive in such a profound way because he's going to use you to combat darkness that is clamping on your brothers and sisters in the world. Amen. And there's, there's nothing more exhilarating than that. There's, there really isn't. When you, when, you, when you are used by the Lord that he flows through you in this partnership that he's on the inside and something breaks from someone else, it is, mm, it is exhilarating. And it is for the least of those who actually follow the Lord Jesus. It's not about us. It's about him. We can walk in this reality. Yes, the power was to set us free, but then the power come inside of us. Yeah, it's our, it, this is our inheritance. This is Christianity. Basic. Receiving the life of God and the empowerment of God within us. It's kind of personal, but, you know, I had such a bad grid of God that I would have rather repented on my deathbed and at least maybe not go to hell. At first, I wanted to go to hell when I was a kid. That's a real story. But then later on, I kind of was like, well, I think it'd probably be better just to repent later on after I have a fun life. You know, that way I could, you know, you know, you know, you know. This is the mentality. And so when God started becoming real in my life and basically invading my life and all the, the aspects of this new covenant, his spirit, his voice and stuff, it was so, at a time, it was so disarming and very uncomfortable for me. And I would go in places and, and I would go in churches and things and I would feel his actual presence, which I don't know if you know this, but most people are not used to that. They're not used to going to a church and actually feeling something. And usually it disarms you, may have happened today, but usually it disarms you and can break you a little bit. And it would break me, and so I was a real, you know, tough guy, want to be all these types of things, and hard person, but I would come into these church services and I would just, I would break and I would weep. But it would get to the point where I loved his presence and I loved, I loved to be able to sense him and feel him so much that I would allow it. You know what I mean? I would, I would, just, I would just let it break me, you know? And... um. And what he was is, is, is the, the slave mentality where, where your master takes, you know, you know, it's just like that was being broken off of my life and the sonship was, was changing, was changing me. 
And then I got to the point, I remember when I'd be in, you know, kind of like the way they were, you know, things were going today. I was in a worship uh, place at a church and, and, and I would actually, I would be in there and I would feel the Lord on me. And this is somewhat personal, maybe strange. I could probably cut this from the, from the podcast if I need to. But I remember the first time I started speaking in other languages, it started happening to me in dreams. I'd be in dreams where I'd be in a church service that I didn't know where it was and, and, and the worship or whatever would be happening or, you know, whatever. And I would start to feel like my tongue was rolling up in my mouth like a dang red carpet that wanted to roll out. But I was embarrassed about it and uncomfortable because that's what these weird, really strange type of people are into. And gosh, are we really going that far into this? You know, I was just like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so... And finally, it started, ended up happening. But it was while I was asleep, these things, before it ever happened in real life. And nobody's walking me through the baptisms and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and, and these different things. I'm not catching this understanding. I'm just following. I'm just following Yahweh. And I'm also, in a sense, holding back a little bit because it's uncomfortable because I don't trust him because, he, because of the way I've, I'd felt and viewed about him. But man, in these 20-something years, he's, he's shattered and dismantled and is still those views that I had of him for so long. And all that's ever come out is, is like gentleness, kindness, and goodness. That's all I'd have ever seen. Not, not what I've ever deserved, but that's all I've ever seen. And so when I talk about submitting to the Lordship of Jesus, I don't say it like a scribe, like I live this life and... I can assure you that all you will ever see is the kindness, the joy, the peace, the patience, and the goodness of a gentle God who's actually leading you to free you and to empower you. And you don't become just this hyper-religious weirdo, you know what I'm saying, that I was afraid I was becoming, but you might become a full-blown vessel of light who impacts literally millions of people. Every person we impact that will impact other people, that will impact other people. Everything, everything the Lord, even the least of these we give a cup of water to, even the least interaction that you have when you're living this life, empowered by His Spirit within you, the true submission to the Lord can have an everlasting effect on the world. And so we're going to close. I'll pray up, um, pray, us, pray us to close or whatever. But what I'm going to do is we obviously have prophetic teams. A lot of you, if you've been here, if you haven't, you've heard about those. We have prophetic teams, and, and there will be some of them, like six of them, I think, doing, doing that. And so if, if you want to get prophetic ministry and all that after church, definitely come and do it. I actually do have a closer. I just remember that. I told you I'm not prepared to close. Um, but also, if there's people in here who have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and in your heart you're like, I want to give myself fully to the Lordship of, of the Lord Jesus, His Spirit within me, I would be glad to pray that you receive that today as well. Okay? So I'm going to be standing by that wall. Um, maybe Lewis, maybe, you know, somebody, anybody wants to join me, we can do that together. Um, you know, we're not going to do anything hyperly strange or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? We're just going to pray that you would receive the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that you would actually have this shepherd and that you wouldn't be coming after you know, Passover, Easter, and all these things. It's like, hey, like, this is time that you would step into the empowerment of what it really means to walk with God on the inside of you, okay? 
So we'll do that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your message. We thank you for your, your t- when you were 12 years old, your words, which ring so true and beautiful even here today. And um, we thank you that your word is truth and life and light. Amen. You closing it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Good. <laughs>